The Living Traditions Festival is back Friday, May 17th through Sunday, May 19th at Washington Square Park in downtown Salt Lake City. You will find a global food court, live music, performances, art, workshops, Bohemian Brewery, and stuff for kids. Full disclosure, this is my favorite Salt Lake Festival. For details and to see the full program, visit livingtraditionsfestival.com or find them on Instagram and Facebook at SLC Living Trad. Here's what Salt Lake's talking about. A new year means inaugurations and new roles for our local electeds. In a notable maneuver, both Salt Lake City Council leadership roles are now filled with Westsiders. Councilmember Victoria Petro is the new council chair, and Councilmember Ale Puy is leading the city's redevelopment agency for the second year. So how could all this shift the vibe on the Salt Lake City Council? And what issues do they plan to take on with fervor? It's Thursday, February 1st. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Salt Lake City Council members Victoria Petro and Ale Boy, both of you represent districts on the west side of our city, and you are now both in leadership positions in Salt Lake City government. I want to know what the top issues are in your districts. Like when you go to the grocery store and someone recognizes you, what do they yell at you about? Council member Petro, you first. Uh, homelessness, far and away. We have been the de facto campground when there are no structures like sanctioned campgrounds or places for people to rest their head. And so we've both been the resource center for them. And we've also been the front line of the negative things that come along with an unchecked homelessness crisis. Like we've witnessed uh, just the degradation of fellow humans. We've had property crime. So homelessness, because it impacts so much of our life, is the number one thing for my neighbors still. Yeah. And Council Member Petro, you're in the northwest part of the city, but Council Member Boy, you're in the kind of southwest part of the city. What's the top issue in your district? I would say that probably homelessness and public safety, but also in general, going back to the basics. We, uh, as governments, sometimes like to focus on the shiny new thing mm. and the fun projects. But our roads and our infrastructure, our parks, our public safety, those are things that everybody really on the West Side cares a lot about. Yeah. That's like kind of a, a tale as old as time that what people want is a stop sign. Yeah. No, <laughs> and a street light and a pothole filled and, you a know. A place to walk their dog. Yeah. And uh, those are the things that people on the West Side are craving. And there is a, the historical differences and in investment and the lack thereof on the West Side. And people are asking for that to be fixed. Well, Council Member Bui, I want to ask you, because for two years now, you've been the chair of the Redevelopment Agency. And your district itself has gone through a lot of redevelopment and change. One big project in the works that's the talk of the town lately, and I love that you mentioned shiny projects, is the Major League Baseball Stadium that's to come potentially in the Power District, which is like sort of a hundred acre property. And it kind of feels like this proposal came through and it, it feels predetermined, like there hasn't been a lot of community buy-in. How are you and your constituents thinking about this project? I mean, let me just mention that this is a not a government-driven project. This is a privately-driven mm -hmm. project. We, as a city, have 
pieces in the authority related to zoning and public safety and taxing and what is tax increment in the future. And that's where you know we connect with, with those stakeholders. The state is taking the major interest in coming up with financing tools to help on this project. But it is key to going back to the issue here, community buy-in, it is key that investments of this magnitude, uh, where there is going to be possibly tax uh, money going into, improve the communities that they sit in, that they are not, for example, gentrifying, further gentrifying the communities, that there is a benefit in the communities that are in, they live in, uh, that there is actual, uh, you know, B- Victoria talks a lot about making sure that this investment helps the kids that are playing baseball in the communities. In Rose Park, for example, there is a few leagues, making sure that these investments lift all votes, all votes, not some of them. Right, that is key to this, and I'm hoping that this project does, does it right. Uh, and we've been, from the beginning, saying we love this idea, but, and there is a big but there, it needs to help the community closest to this. If not, uh, I have to rethink my support. I mean, in your role as RDA chair and on the council, what are the ways that you could protect the West Side from negative impacts of this project, the big one, of course, being gentrification, because in cities around the nation, we've seen when these stadiums pop up, they have that impact. Yeah, well, I, let me say it is key that the government closest to the people retains its authority. So, you know, the city uh, retains its authority. Unfortunately, we have seen in the past that other layers of government will take the power from Salt Lake City. We have seen that happen in other uh, you know, cases. And we want to retain mm. the power. Uh, we want to make sure that us elected officials in our part of town retain a say on the table, retains that tax, you know, the zoning authority, the land authority. We want to retain the taxing you know, opportunity. So we want to decide how this is going to impact. We don't want other layers of government and other entities, maybe unelected boards sometimes to decide what is best for our communities. Hmm. It sounds like you're subtweeting the inland port. <laughs> Councilmember Petro, I mean, your districts bump up against each other. How are you thinking about this project? We would never. I think I am optimistic about the catalytic possibilities. And I'm optimistic that we're serving at a time where there's policy options and innovations that haven't been done before. Community wealth building initiatives, like what's going on in Kensington Corridor Trust in Philadelphia, or the CIT in Portland, these are policies that we could craft with the right partners that would not just bring in MLB and a district around it, but would also allow the people who have always taken a risk on the West Side before it was destigmatized to actually grow their intergenerational wealth alongside the the city and this area of the city. So I'm, I'm excited about that. I'm always cautiously optimistic. I am cognizant that the history of redlining has left us vulnerable. Our land is devalued compared to other places. So between the Olympics, MLB, now we have NHL potentially with us in the crosshairs. I mean, that's essentially de- yeah. that's essentially declaring a gold rush on us. And any well-moneyed developer who knows how to make a good zoning case could come in here and have a field day with us. But we are committing ourselves to being as savvy as possible and to making use and educating ourselves on every new opportunity to craft policies that aren't just protective, but actually enrich the people who we love, the people who caused us both to run, our neighbors. 
Okay. You know, we we visited uh, a few cities uh, last year with, you know, in our roles, both from where the RDA and the city. And we've been learning from what other cities have done. And in this case, what other c- good cases and bad cases of stadiums. And I was shocked by a few of the, a few of the good examples. Uh, for example, involving uh, the communities near a stadium being built to build it. Uh, so helping the trades in the community uh, was a way of bringing back jobs to the community that they impacts the most. I remember uh, learning about this case where there was not a contractor in the neighborhood that was the most impacted by it, uh, that was qualified with the certifications to work on, on, uh, on it. But the company made an effort to involve them in, in the job to get them certified. Uh, so they didn't have to do that. That was a lot more work to do, but it was a way a way to bring these companies, these local uh, companies, uh, lift them up too, right, and get them certified and get them trained. So there are ways that catalytic projects like this could lift all the boats, boats all even from the building, not only when it's done, uh, from the building from day one, they could actually help the communities that impact the most. Whenever posture comes up in conversation, we all do that thing where we immediately sit upright and pull our shoulders back. Did you do it just now? I did a movement session with Chandler at Embodied Patients, and after a few gentle corrections, I was surprised to find sitting up straight is incredibly easy. Chandler's practice combines over a decade of study in yoga, Pilates, and the Alexander Technique. So why should you invest in your posture? Let's start with the link between better posture and better breathing. Whether you're returning to activity from an injury, looking to manage pain, or just have the sense things could be a little easier, Chandler will teach you to create sustainable movement habits so that you can enjoy the things you love for longer. Maybe that's running marathons. Maybe it's walking the dog. Visit embodiedpatients.com to book a session with Chandler and give yourself the gift of your own attention. Spring is when leases expire, and if you're looking for a new or better apartment situation, here's the scoop at Ico Fort Union. Fort Union is Ico's newest build in Cottonwood Heights off 1300 East and 6720 South. And as they say in real estate, location, location, location. Ico Fort Union puts you 10 minutes from the mouth of Big Cottonwood Canyon and central to all the Fort Union shops and restaurants. But the complex is located on a dead-end street, so you get peace. Ico Fort Union offers studio, one, two, and three-bedroom apartment homes, plus these very cool three-bedroom work-live apartments. So if you're starting something new, you can live above your business space. Amenities include a pet spa, a spin loft, a bike hub, and EV charging stations. And they are signing leases right now. So visit liveatfortunion.com for a tour. I want to talk about homelessness. Councilmember Petro, as the chair of the council, you drive the policy agenda for the year. Last year, you showed your priorities by pushing to fund a new sanctioned camping program for unsheltered Salt Lakers. But we still hear a common complaint, and I'm sure you do, from Westside residents that parks and the Jordan River Trail 
don't necessarily feel safe due to unsanctioned camping. How are you thinking about that issue as the chair this year? So um, I'm thankful that we were able to collaborate and get a pilot off the ground. We still need something so much more urgently than what we have, something that meets a greater need. Um, Right now, we are passionately advocating alongside a coalition that is trying to support what the governor put together. We know that homelessness actually is a statewide problem. And so a statewide solution is our best resource for making sure that we don't end in a chronic loop of just new homeless people showing up on our doorstep. So right now, that is... If the funding doesn't come through, and I don't even want to say those words, I just want to manifest that the governor's request is funded. Mm. If it's not, you will see a much more aggressive version of me on this issue. I will not live as I've been living. I will not allow my neighbors to live, both the sheltered and the unsheltered neighbors, to live as we've been living. We will have to do things that, yes, are outside of our statutory role. We will have to be more aggressive in our advocacy with the other levels of government to assume their roles in a different manner. But we cannot continue to go on the way we are. You will continue to see high levels of investment in us on things like affordable housing. Um, The tiny home village should be coming online soon. We continue to talk to providers. Carol Hollowell at The Point continues to be an innovator who's already talking to me about new spaces coming online and how she might innovate into those spaces. So we're keeping an open mind and kind of any means necessary approach to solving it. But should the funding not come from the state that we need, you will see a side of me you have yet to see. I will be tenacious during my chairship, unlike anything around this issue. Hmm. Let me say the let me say the concern with with funding is funding, right? It's like we don't have a line item or a funding source for this. All the layers of government do, and I think talking about the sanction campaign example. We've been able to get the state to buy into this idea with a lot of hesitancy from even our own local government, our own municipality, about this concept. And I think that it got the ball rolling about, look, we can put some money on the table. We have an idea. You put some money on the table. Let's get this rolling. While this might be not the perfect situation, it's still it's an example of how we can work together to solve something that, or try to solve something that is maybe beyond beyond our statutory duties. We're pulling for the same in the same direction. We try. We need to find a solution for those that are living on the streets and they want a safe safe place to be. But and we also need to balance the, the our communities, right? That they are struggling. That they need their public spaces. They need to access their public spaces, right? Many in our communities rely on the public spaces a lot because they don't have maybe the, some of the resources to go to any uh, vacation or take the kids into a, a, you know, into a, a show or something else. Our public spaces should be inviting for everybody. I mean, an RV camping program has been talked about among council members in the past. Is there anything like that in the works? Truly, at this moment. All of our energy is focused rowing in the same direction as the governor. His plan was developed in deep consultation with the municipalities. And if that funding were to come through, 
you would see a unified strategy that enables all levels of government to, to assume their statutory role and gives our system the best chance at not failing people. So truly at this point, that is our focus. We are spending an inordinate amount of time talking to legislators, advocating, let, networking, just trying to give this thing its best chance. If we have to, we are prepared to pivot quickly after session to do what needs to be done. But I, I really have reason to be optimistic that we get the miracle that we need to make sure that the dignity of our neighbors, including those who can't find a shelter over their head, are protected. Let me also mention on this, sorry, I, I also have a lot of opinions about this issue. The, the, <laughs> yeah, the, send the, it. We have gained a lot of ground on this issue. Last year, the state required other counties to come up with a homelessness plan. And it, unfortunately, it was fought by other counties in the state to say, no, we don't have to do this. This is not a problem in our, in our counties. It was disappointing to hear that, but but in any case, the state and we have we worked very hard on that to make sure that we told these municipalities and other agencies, no, no, this is a problem. We all need to come to a solution. So that was law. It, it became law, you know, this last year, and we were involved on in that. We also tried to encourage other cities to come up with a winter overflow plans. Other cities did step up. You know, West Valley stepped up, stepped out to this, which it was never done before. It was an uncomfortable situation. The mayor and the council struggled a little bit with the idea. They were able to make it work and work well. Sandy, we testified in the Sandy ourselves testified on the Sandy City Council to make sure that the Sandy City Council approve uh, a, a shelter for those that are medically vulnerable. We've been trying to make sure that our voices are not only heard here and with our community and with our legislators, but make sure that everybody and every city and county in the state understands that what we're suffering here, what, those that are suffering in our streets, are their neighbors, and they went to their high schools. The state now is tracking where they, them have graduated from their high schools. So now the state knows, oh, there is a hundred people from Sandy that ended up on this on this uh, homeless services this last year. There is 50 people from Riverton, right? Like now we understand that this issue is touching all of our families and we need to have a state solution and a multi-layer solution to this problem. I mean, the notion that that this problem is just not a Salt Lake City problem, that it is a city, county, state problem is something we've certainly heard from the mayor's office time and time again since her election, what, four plus years ago. And one of the things about being an elected official that's so interesting to me is that your job beyond sort of day-to-day policymaking and, and I think like problem solving is to really lay a vision. So the city council is its own independent branch of government equally as powerful, I would say, as the mayor and the mayor's office. Uh, Council member Petro, as chair of the Salt Lake City Council, how do you think your vision for the West Side either differs from or is in step with Mayor Mendenhall's? This feels like a landmine kind of question. (laughs) (laughs) You can handle it. I mean, I think here's the truth. We want the best for Salt Lakers. I think what's unique about Alejandro and I being in the position, um, you know, both of us coming from marginalized experiences and bringing a different lens to this, 
is that our sense of urgency and prioritization is always slightly off. You know, for us, being able to control our land use over there is really important. For us, being able to honor the people who have made the West Side so great instead of um, just recently, I was talking to the Larry H. Miller Company. And they, they told us, you know, MLB could be transformative. And I was, I was like, actually, can I ask you not to use that word? I don't need anything to fundamentally transform the West Side. We are actually freaking fantastic. We, what we need is social capital and political capital and fiscal capital to stand alongside us so that we can assume our rightful place in the communities. We actually just need to be catalyzed. And so you'll notice the conversation over there is about catalyzing because honestly, we have, you know, the entrepreneurship, the ability to survive COVID rates that were two and three times the state average at all times because we never isolated because we couldn't, uh, you know, the, the people in our Smith's parking lot who sell tamales and uh, the Jarapeo uh, food truck that makes better food in the Smith's parking lot than you can get in the rest of the state. Like, yeah. we're fantastic. That truck is right? so Right? Bad. The best. Yeah. <laughs> it's a favorite among our, our uh, staff, our city cast colleagues. Yeah. So for, so for us, I, I mean, I think that's the main difference, right? I don't, none of my neighbors need us to save them. No one needs us to ride in on a white horse. What we need is to stop knowing better than them and to work alongside them to fix nearly a century of nonsensical policymaking and neglect. And I think, you know, if you ask me where the overarching policy differences are, I don't think there's a ton. There is, however, the sense of urgency that's different. There is a strategy about how to best accomplish it. There is a prioritization that is different. And fortunately, both Alejandro and I prioritize relationship-based uh, communication. And so we, even though we are a co-equal, fully separate branch of government, and we are checks and balances on each other, we have good communication patterns established with the administration so that they know when making decisions that impact the West Side, checking with us is a safe thing that they should be doing at all times, um, that we, we're we on the team with them, want the best, and that you know if we're aiming in the same direction, they have allies. Council Member Puy, anything you want to add? I uh, I have, have I, I have a lot of things to add to that, and I <laughs> I I just I just uh, say that you know families in my district that are able to manage two three jobs at the same time and still cook for their kids and get them ready for school and dropping them off to school now unfortunately dropping them off you know to further away schools it is remarkable the stuff that you know the the accomplishments of the people of the West Side and. I'm hoping and I'm going to fight until the last I have to make sure that any investments into the community are looking at them first. And that it, it needs to happen that way first. And it is not, I, I don't want the community to change significantly at cost of the community that lives there already, right? I, I, I need to make sure that uh, I felt like my neighbors are asking us to look up for them first. And I think we are going to be doing that. We know we're going to be doing that throughout, no matter who is on the way. Okay, before I let you both go, one of the things we love to talk about in this show is the crown jewels of our city. We all have strong opinions about what the crown jewels crown are jewels. in our city. So I want to ask both of you, yeah, like the the best thing or like the, the thing we're most proud of. What is the crown jewel in your district? 
Council member Petra, I have a feeling you're going to say it's a lahari I mean, if you ask a thick woman with a multicultural background, it's always going to be food, but I can't choose just one. So, like, my yeah. my default for me is sabor latino. The food there mm. cannot be questioned. Uh, Star of India, which technically is in Alejandro's district, but it's, like, the corner of his district, so I'm going to still... No, don't still <laughs> But Oh, no, but, no, no, no. But Parham at Star of India is unlike anything. Uh, we just opened a Señor Pollo, and Jesus Ruiz and what he's doing through that franchise chain is just really amazing. I got... Uh, the Flores Panaderia, we've got we've got neutral ground. Like, I mean, if you want to experience the best of what Utah is attracting in the place where the American dream is alive, like you should do a culinary tour of the West Side and and my district. It's it does not get any better in Utah than that. Yeah, I would agree. Obviously food is, is something <laughs> I love and I I you know there is dozens of restaurants on, in, 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 our, in our part of the town. I just want to highlight that District 1 and 2 are the engine of Salt Lake City. Mm. Uh, I'm going to go beyond. I think that there is, a, you know, the Jordan River Trail, it is an incredible asset, and it needs to be, it needs the attention that it serves. And I cannot highlight, you know, enough about our public space and how key it is for the communities on the west side. Um, so I... I, I think it is the most amazing place. When you are on a on a kayak, and I'm terrified of water, by the way, beyond being terrifying for me, it's actually incredible to be in it. You feel like you are n- not in the middle of the city, uh, and you see nature in all its it, it's uh, it's incredible. My favorite thing to see on the Jordan River Trail is horses, which sometimes you'll see equestrians, and that's. Truly awesome. Oh, my yeah. favorite is the beavers. The beavers. I still haven't seen They're one. They're so cool. Oh, my gosh. I love them. But the West Side, I mean, the West Side is really full of all sorts of surprises. So as much as I love the question and the chance to think about these sorts of things, the truth is we don't even know what the jewels are of the West Side because we haven't spent enough time really polishing it up to figure it out. We have so much, so many hidden assets, so much hidden talent, so many things that just haven't been given the chance to breathe and get to get life to them. And so that's kind of what I think our job is, is to, you know, fan the flame. Salt Lake City Council members Victoria Petro and Ale Pui, thank you so much for your time. Good luck this year. Thanks, Ali. That is all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. We will be back tomorrow morning with more from around this city.